Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark out for a while. Hello and welcome to the dark forest. It's Jackie Cation. I'm standing while doing this intro. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com. TheDorkForest.com, FamilyPetAncestry.com. Recently, Joe Wilson has let go DorkForestRadio.com, which uh, led everybody directly to Blog Talk Radio, which were the first, like, five years of this show, maybe six. Anyway, math is hard. I am here to bring to you the finest dorkdoms in all the world, or at least people who love things a lot. There we go. Let's do the credits. Patrick Brady is going to fix this audio. Uh, Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song you just heard at the beginning, and he will sing his lyrics to the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Vilmos fixes my website, JackieCation.com, and you can go to DorkForest.com. You can go to iTunes and re- uh, download the show and everything, and DorkForest.com has for free the bonus that Libsyn, for some reason, created to go only on the app and then put it on the website. So I just move it over to the new website, DorkForest.com. Anyway... It's a fascinating story. I'll tell it again at the end. <laughs> but here's a scoop. On both Dork Forest and Jackie Cation, there is a donation button. Feel free to use it. If you enjoy the program and want to donate to the show, click on it. And I'd love to get $100 from everybody a year. If you have $100, 10 bucks a month, I haven't made that easy. You'd have to remember. Um, or you can give it to me all at once. You can give me more than $100. You can give me less than $100 if you don't have $100. Feel free to just tell people about the Dork Forest mm-hmm. and how much you like it. You can also uh, get merch and sh- and fly your your dork flag that way, Rangers. JackieCation.com has two different kinds of Dork Forest t-shirts. There's the black Ranger t-shirt, and there's the green the Dork Forest t-shirt. The brown one's being discontinued. I still have some. You can email me, Jackie at JackieCation.com to see if I have any left. But I mostly do them at the live shows. Speaking of live shows, I do stand-up comedy. You can get the schedule there of where I'm doing stand-up comedy. You can follow me on Twitter at JackieCation. And I'm constantly talking about it. So there's that. There is a chance to buy my CDs and my DVD on JackieCation.com. You can download the DVD, just the video of it, at Comedy Film Nerds dot com in their store just to download ten dollars or you can buy a hard copy from me and you can get the cds bread circus people and horcrux all on amazon or itunes or you can just listen to them for free on pandora and spotify i get a little bit of a kickback speaking of kickback you can get you can use the amazon banner on jackiecation.com to order your stuff from amazon and then the dork forest gets a, a tiny kickback on that and I totally appreciate that uh, if if you order from Amazon, uh, and we all do. Who's going to lie about such a thing? Anyway, um, comedy, donation. Oh, Bandcamp. I have premium episodes, live episodes. In the last year, the live episodes have, uh, I've realized they cost me a couple of bucks, so they cost everybody who wants to listen to them a couple of bucks. So if you go to thedorkforest.bandcamp.com, you can get live episodes with the likes of Gail Carriger. And Hollis Gillespie and Greg Proops and Dana Gould and a bunch of other people. Oh, and Karen Kilgariff and Guy Branham. But they're two bucks a pop and they're fun. Uh, on that, the, that band camp, there's some other stuff and there's a bunch of free episodes that I culled from all the blog talk years. And that's just a free album of like, I think it's 20 episodes 
from the first couple of years of the show that I tried to clean up a little bit. The audio isn't great uh, because no Patrick Brady. That's right. Anyway, other than that, allthingscomedy.com is the podcast umbrella of this program. And so if you're looking for more podcasts, go to allthingscomedy.com. By God, let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation in my living room. My living room, you guys, the Dork Forest with Jamie Flynn. How you doing, Jamie? I'm so good. Thank you for having me. You're on the Long Shot Podcast, which yeah. I have done more than once. Yeah, which makes you a rarefied air. You're... Oh, I'm in rarefied airs? Yes. Uh, no, I'm... it makes you actual rarefied air. I'm actually... <laughs> Welcome to my yeah. tiny house in the valley that I'm very uh, cozy. It's enchanting. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a magical little haven. We just planted tomatoes. Mm-hmm. We're not made of stone. Uh, so you, okay, so you got the Long Shot Podcast, which is on iTunes. Is that on the Sideshow Network as well? That I is forgot on to ask. All Things Comedy. That's on All Things Comedy, mm-hmm. which is what I'm on, you guys. Uh, great way to get to see other podcasts is to go to allthingscomedy.com, yeah. you guys, and maybe listen to the Long Shot Podcast. Sure. And then you have your own podcast, uh, The Gatekeeper. Yeah, Gatekeeper. It just started. Just Gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. Just started. How many episodes are you in? I just recorded my eighth and ninth. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, and you interview bookers. Bookers, producers, kind of anyone that's in development or that say... Behind the camera? Yes. Who says yes and no and why do they say yes and no? Okay. Hence Gatekeeper. Yes. And you yourself uh, book uh, The Improv Mm -hmm. and uh, very nicely book me. And I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I think you're one of the funniest people on the planet. Well, success uh, (laughs) that it's all working out. The Mutual Admiration Society... Welcome. <laughs> and so many, and I always say anybody can be on the dork forest. As long as you do not torment me online, Jesus H. Christ, keep it tight, people. Anyway, um, you can be on. I want, it's all just scheduling. And so you've, I've wanted you to be on the show for a long time. And this is what I remember talking about you. You said, and then, and then I guess we have not had a, I think it's going to work out. I think I'm, I'm fingers across. I'm slightly panicking. I shouldn't be, but uh, I'm slightly. Pan- I think it's going to be fine. The Beatles. Yeah. You grew up here in Los Angeles. Yeah, I grew up in the in the valley where we right are here now. in the valley. Yeah, Granada Our Hills. the valley, mm-hmm. Granada Hills nearby. And um, were did you the, were you dipped? Were your parents in Famous Land? I mean, did, was it no. some sort of? Did they have jobs like people? Yeah, they, the Flam's Key Service. It's been um, right oh, locksmiths. It's on Van Nuys and Moore Park. It used to be at Ventura and uh, uh, Woodman. And there's an ad for Flam's Key Service. You guys get out there, get your keys cut. Keys cut. Uh, they also do uh, commercial mailboxes. Oh, very nice. And so if I if I were to get need a PO box, like if I didn't want to be in the book anymore. Oh, I don't know about that. Okay, but if you literally wanted the physical. Mailbox. Oh, they sold physical. They sell physical mailboxes, like apartment buildings. Oh, you know they have like ten, the 20 walls of of yeah. mailboxes. Mm-hmm. Well, that'd be kind of funny to have one right here <laughs> in Van Nuys. At All you the mailbox dorks. Casa, yes, this Casa Ashcraftcation. Um, but so you, but you grew up here, and so one of the first things you said when we started talking about it was that you had a Beatles themed bar mitzvah. I did. So. You're not an old man, so there's no reason for you to have been into the Beatles as much as you were. No, I mean, the story of how I got into the Beatles, you know, I was in sixth, actually I was in fifth grade, and we had a new student at the school, and his name was Danny Cooksey. Now, Danny played Sam on Different Strokes, which uh, he was a little redhead kid. Oh, wow. Possibly like the jumping the shark moment for Different Strokes. Wait, when they, is that when they uh, adopted a, a white kid? Yes. There we go. 
Oh, the the switcheroo. The old switcheroo. Very nice. And so I went to this uh, elementary school called Chatsworth Hills Academy. And it wasn't an academy. It was just a little private school. Okay. And we had Did they have there. academic dreams? They did. Excellent. My mom helped me come up with the school slogan, which actually won me um, a trip. There was the Chatsworth uh, Christmas Parade. Okay. I got to be on a float because I came up with the winning uh, slogan, which was uh, uh, Chatsworth Hills Academy, where learning and fun are number one. Oh, rhyming couplets. Yes. Well played. Vicky <laughs> Flam, a little shout out. <laughs> but um, it was this little school in Chatsworth, and so there were students there that were child actors. Okay. Not a lot, but there were a handful of them. And so I grew up around some of these kids. Right, because they have to go to school somewhere, and they yeah. live here. And they all live in Chatsworth or around <laughs> Okay. And so this new this kid, Danny, started, and he was at the time on you know, our every kid's favorite sitcom, which was Different Strokes. And so, you know, starstruck, and as were my friends, because to me, he was the gateway to stardom. Become friends with this kid, I'm going to be on, on TV shows. Right. And so... He'll introduce you to showbiz. Exactly. So he would be wearing these uh, Beatles cartoon T-shirts. And I, my first memory of, of really the Beatles was that this kid who I looked up to. Who was super cool. Who was super cool. He was great ahead of me. He was already partying and doing all this stuff that my <laughs> Wait, sheltered. That means he was 11. He so was, he was already partying. Yeah. Wow. Truly. Like you can't, I, I mean. Like full on. You know, little I Hollywood mean, parties. Yeah. Little Hollywood parties. Little tiny bowl of latchkey kids. Mm-hmm. Um Wow. That's crazyville. It was, um, yeah, it was crazy. And I remember my parents being a little bit concerned about they, me, my obsession with him. Right. I'm sure they're like, we run a key store. If you could please <laughs> keep your feet on the ground and keep aiming for the stars, says yeah. Dr. Demento. But so they, he had t-shirts, uh, lauding the Beatles. Yeah. These Beatles, it would be like a cartoon, the cartoon versions of the Beatles. Okay. And I remember. Through that, I was like, I should get into the Beatles. Right. I was, I and your parents the music. were like, well, we remember the Beatles. Let's they tell did. you about the Beatles. And so I went, they had some records and then I remember going to the warehouse, which was like the, the tape store. Okay. Um, and getting like the Beatles. You know, on cassette? On cassette. Okay. The Beatles 62 to 66 was the first one. Okay. The, the famous red cover of their, the, the biggest hits. That was a, it was a greatest hits one. Oh, right, because it, like it yeah. would have been from 1962 to 1967. Exactly. No, it's, well, it's 66, and then they have 66. There's 67 to 70, which was the later years. Ah, there you go. When did they break up? Um, I think 70. Okay. And, uh, so, so you listened to this cassette tape a lot. A lot. Mm-hmm. And became obsessed, and then started, that's when I started going through the old records. And one of my best friends, Michael at the time, you know, mutual obsession at the same time. Um, we started listening to them, going through all the records, um, and then started, I decided to get a bass guitar. He, oh, wow. We got a regular guitar. We started playing, playing songs. Covering the Beatles? Covering the Beatles. All right. And then that leads to now junior high. So that was fifth and sixth grade. Right. Um, it started like kind of emulating someone we looked up to, but then it became a, a real infatuation. Your own thing. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was it, more than the Beatles at a certain point. I was like, Obsessed with classic rock radio. Mm-hmm. I would listen to KLSX 97.1 FM. FM. And 
We're fun and learning are number one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I don't know what their slogan was. <laughs> I think it was um, we're hot jams and sure when hot, when hot jams and peanut butter get together and <laughs> and everybody has a nice sandwich. I why doesn't rock why don't rock bands do that or rock I don't know. radio stations? So you started so was that the KQ of the day or something like the local like classic rock? Mm-hmm. And was it was it classic rock even then? Because you had to be a child what in the late eighties. Early nineties, yeah, early nineties. Yeah, so you're listening to classic. Okay. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was even like sixties and seventies. Yeah, it's so weird now listening to classic rock and hearing eighties and nineties songs. Right, but they're also they're still classic rock and they're still doing sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Nobody's really written any new music, have they? I'm I'm un- I'm uncertain. There, what's What's happening? There's a lot of cool stuff happening. Is there a lot of cool? Is there cool new music happening? Yeah. A new, is there anything new since rap? Since hip hop? I'm a hundred, by the way. And, uh, so the last real revolution, I mean, there was rap and then there was grunge. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? Anything happen? I think a few Did things. Did Rockabilly come before that? Was Ska before that? What happened? I mean, Ska is from the 50s the and 60s. The 60s? Okay. Like original I, Ska, like from Jamaica. Okay. Because I did an episode on Sky, I clearly did not memorize it with Brandy Posey, and she uh, she made a mixtape. Everyone, if you're going to send me a mixtape of songs, uh, if you want me to listen to music, I I too wish to listen to them. Eight songs. Do not Murray Valeriano, mm-hmm. you know Murray, they do. Uh, gave me a USB stick with over a hundred U2 songs on it. You know what that is? Too many. Too many U2 songs. There's too many songs. I don't, there isn't a a band in the world I want to listen to a hundred of their songs. But, um, so what do you think? What do I think? About new music. Oh, I think there's a ton of great stuff. And you just have to kind of find, I mean, there's, there's, there's so many ways to get it now that it's, it's so oversaturated. But, you know, you find your, your blog or your, you know, pitchfork is, you know, it's, it's very hipstery, but, Pitchfork.com or something? Is it a? It's like a music review website, but this, this, they have tons of content. But every year at the end of the year, they put out their top hundred albums, top you know hundred singles, and. But is it all guitar rock or? No, it's very eclectic. It's a um, rock and hip hop and dance music and electronic and. Right. Is there any? But is there any new music? Like, is anyone taking a trumpet and playing it through the other end, and then creating something that I didn't know about? Or are we still working with the same instruments and the same beats? I would say electronic. Um, is the most experimental? But just using, you know, um, technology to create music has opened new pathways and. Okay. You know, I, as I, I've I always wanna, said, new pathways. New pathways. <laughs> <laughs> and is there, is there a, uh, an electronic, like our, our, in electronica, and this is not your dorkdom, but now we're reading <laughs> off into it. Uh, Lorraine Newman did a, an EDM episode, mm. and uh, she loves uh, electronic dance music, which is what EDM stands for. Mm-hmm. I now know that. And uh, but she, do you think that there's electronic covers of like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Jethro Tull or whatever else? A is? lot of electronic Tull. <laughs> a lot of electronic. T- that's the flute band, right? That's the band with a lot the flute. of whimsical. Um, uh, <laughs> right, that world. was progressive rock, right? That's prog rock, right? Yeah. Jethro Tull? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Yes. Um, oh, and, and yes. 
I remember. I remember yeah. these words. These are names of bands. They are names of bands. I think uh, what you need to know about me about the 70s, I was listening to a lot of Harry Chapin and Billy Joel. Sure. Boo-hoo. A lot of sobbing. Yeah. Sobbing briefly into a cracked mirror. Yeah. Uh, in the hopes to regroup. But what... So... So... Well, actually, it, a good way to bring it back is... Yeah. It's probably 10 or 12 or 15 years old now. Maybe 10 years. But um, the classic mashup um, of Jay-Z's... Um, Black Album. Okay. And the Beatles White Album by Danger Mouse. He basically uh, mashed these two records together and called it the Gray Album. Okay. So that would be a perfect example. That of, is a perfect example of, wait, so did, Dan- is Danger Mouse a hip hop singer? He's a producer. He's a producer yeah. and, and, and does he talk into the mic at all? Does he? Use I'm sure his there's voice? examples of him doing that. I'm, okay. I'm not super savvy with it. But so how did he? How did? What, what is the Gray album? Is the Gray album? Does it sound more Beatles or does it sound it's more? Basically taking. Um, yesterday, is it taking like? T- a, a, I don't an, think yesterday's on it. Okay, because what was on the White album? What what songs that I that I might know? I Jackie Cation who know nothing. It's I own the one most, album, one Beatles um, album. Rocky Raccoon, Happiness oh. as a Warm Gun. Sure. Um, and then Martha, he's, My Dear. Okay. Uh, Revolution. Okay. The, the, both versions, no doubt. Both versions. Sure. Revolution number nine mm-hmm. is the avant-garde 13 minute or whatever it is. Right. Somebody. That th- if you play it backwards, it says, uh, turn me on dead man. Does it? Yeah. Turn me on dead man. How do you play something backwards? You have to have a turntable and you just. Oh, and then you actually physically... Which again gets us back to hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Who, uh... You know, right. The There's art a, of scratching and... The art of... Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm familiar. <laughs> That's not anything like what it sounds like, but... Can. I'm available mm-hmm. to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to drop your beats for you, you guys <laughs> out there. But what? So, so you're playing when you're 10 and 11 years old. You start playing the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And then... What is a Beatles bar mitzvah? So the Beatles bar mitzvah was, uh, it's more sort of the reception. I mean, the bar, okay, bar mitzvah itself. Would the bar have, mitzvah is all in Hebrew. Yeah, that's just chanting Hebrew. Right, a lot of memorization. Yeah. Talk to me briefly about this memorization. Did you have to memorize or could you read it? You didn't have to memorize, but you had to memorize the chant. You had to remember so reading the pronunciation out of the Torah. Or, okay. But you're chanting it. So you have to remember, like, where you go, like where the breath marks are, the breath marks, and uh, <laughs> the BM, <laughs> exactly. And uh, wait, that's a different. Uh, so the but so okay, so sort of like a, a any sort of birthday party, but this is your thirteenth birthday party. Yeah. So then, yeah, and especially I think in the San Fernando Valley, a hotbed for us Jews, <laughs> uh, a hotbed of Judaism, the Valley. Mm-hmm. But I think it's as much. And I don't think my parents are, are as guilty of this. I mean, in this day and age, you know, it's, I think everyone's trying to outdo each other. Yeah, there seems to be that, uh, I have, uh, some very impressive Armenian neighbors who are constantly buying bouncy houses for their kids. Yeah. And I'm like, just calm down, give mm-hmm. them a piece of string, they'll be happy. But so there, there was some outdoing, and so just, your I mean, it was family like got a little sucked the, into it. And- just thematically, you want to put on a great 
party and sure. impress your relatives and your friends and make sure everybody has a good time mm-hmm. and make sure nobody says, oh, they didn't do it right or they were cheap or they didn't exactly. rise to the occasion or whatever. So they hired the, did they, is that where the Beatles reunion happened? Was it at your bar mitzvah? It was, yeah. Yeah, that was the, mm-hmm. that was the huge reveal. <laughs> how, how crazy would that be? That would be the biggest thing is that if they could somehow talk. There, this is kind of really like one of my close, my parents' close friends at their daughter's wedding. The, what's that famous guy's name? Could be anyone. I know. We live here. I know. <laughs> he's on, he's one of the Gibson. judges on the show. Simon. The voice. Okay. Nope. And then he's in a band that's very big. Okay. One Direction. I'm just going to start naming random things. They're big enough for where you should know this guy, and I absolutely should know who. The Dave name. Matthews Band. No. Okay. This is a fun game. The song moves like Jagger. Okay. Who sings that? I don't know, but someone uh, right now is yelling at their iPod. Very so, much. So there you go. That guy. That guy and his band surprised everyone and played their wedding. Oh wow! And I think it was for a bigger project, but. Right. <laughs> then then is, someone's bar mitzvah. Yeah. yeah. It was a wedding, but anyway. It was, yeah, yeah. So the reception was at the Ventura Club, which is on Ventura. It's now a uh, Baja Fresh or Chipotle oh, or something. Sure. But then it was a reception hall. Very nice. Sure. One of those, One of the, there are a million of them here in the mm-hmm. Valley, quite honestly. You can hire any sort of a building and, and they'll hook you up. Paquito Mas. It's a Paquito Mas. And there's a Paquito That's what it is. <laughs> Josh Levine? Adam Levine. Adam Levine. All right. That's the guy that sings in the band. Oh, good. Great. Now people know. Note to self, you guys. So, but, all right, well, that's good. And then they showed up, but on yours, so were there paper plates that had pictures of the, <laughs> the Beatles on it? What but, is a Beatles themed? So the centerpieces had little 45 records. Um, oh. And, you know, we printed out little centers. stickers to go to them. So yeah. people were sitting at the, she loves you table and the maybe the Abbey Road table and oh, okay oh like that yeah so it was like that okay and then then they played a lot of Beatles probably for the there dancing. were some Beatles and I, I recently uncovered the the video from the event okay and so there were some Beatles songs there's a music booth it's kind of a cool thing they got they got this booth so that you could go in pick a song and you and your friends would do basically karaoke oh that I I love that idea and you get a cassette at the end oh my god. Where's that machine? I think it's way outdated. I know because nobody has a cassette player anymore. But when, when, you know what? I've actually seen comics who put out their albums on cassettes because everybody's doing it on vinyl because they're super cool. I went and saw Elvis Costello last night and a young band, uh, two sisters, uh, kind of country, kind of rockabilly, kind of Janis Joplin y, Mm -hmm. as they're called Larkin Poe. Okay. And they're on Conan, I guess. Oh, cool. Tonight, uh, not tonight, because this will come out in two weeks. But they they had uh, their album as a CD or as vinyl, and I bought the CD. We don't. We have some albums sitting mm-hmm. around this house. We don't have a turntable. I don't. I yeah, gave away my clothes and play quite some time ago, and the clothes. Remember the clothes? I don't know if you ever remembered the clothes and play. No. It was a. It was a record player for kids. Oh, and it opens. When when it opens, it would stop automatically. Mm. So that you could not break the album. Mm. It was for kids. It would only play the album when the the top was all the way down. But I don't know if it would fit a full album. I think it just fit 45s because it was for kids. And kids are stupid and they can't handle a big record. They can't handle the truth. Mm -mm. And so so 62 to – what's your favorite Beatles song? Who's your favorite Beatle? 
Those are great questions. Yeah. Do you have a favorite beetle? I, well, you know, there's a war. I understand Yoko might have broken up mm-hmm, the, the team or mm-hmm. something. I was always a John guy. You were a John guy. I was okay. a John, but then George kind of became the, the cool one to like. Okay. And then recently, um, in, in George the last Harrison? Year, yeah. Okay. Kind of the underdog. Why? Yeah, that is an underdog. I think he's an underrated guitarist. Okay. Um, although he had his own, he had a couple of albums, right? Didn't he have yeah, an acclaimed he, solo album? A few. Okay, more than one. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, great for him. Yeah. <laughs> and he was a traveling Wilbury. Do you remember them? Oh, I do remember them briefly. It was him, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, Jeff Lynne, and I think Ringo Jesus. played on it, and Roy Orbison. What? Powerhouse. That's a crazy, that's a crazy mashup of. And that all came out right at the time that I was obsessed, so like the late 80s, early 90s. Okay. Wow. So, so, but why did you like John Lennon? Did you like him because he was super the cool guy or? I don't know. I always liked him the most. Um, is, is, there's definitely a distinction, especially in the later years between a John song and a Paul song. And Paul maybe was on the more poppy side. John was a little more introspective. What's a John song that's introspective? I mean, so, I mean, you think of Imagine. Okay. But that's solo, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What is there? Julia, is there, which is, is that, on the White Album. That's a, that's a Beatles mm-hmm. one, Julia. I don't even know that song offhand. You would know it if you heard it. I bet I would. But, uh, cause, and what did Paul write? Um, I mean, a million other songs. I mean, it, it's overwhelming when you think about their, their catalog. Well, but in, in the Beatles, did he, was there a poppy one that Paul wrote? Yeah, the early stuff, pop- and it's, it's, you know, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, you would, those specifics, like right. I was much more entrenched in the. Right. Well, and, and then, and I know that Paul went on to do Wings mm-hmm. and then a, a solo career that has spanned low these many years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know that here's what I know about John Lennon. I, uh, I watch, uh, all of the Dick Cavett that I can. And there is a Dick Cavett interview with John Lennon mm-hmm. where they're just sitting there, no doubt drinking something alcoholic and chain smoking. And John is talking about. I think it was in like 72 or 73. It was after they broke up and Dick Cavett asks him about Yoko and the stuff about them break her breaking up the band. And I'm paraphrasing, but I, if I remember correctly, John said, you know, people always say that, but look at the good work that Paul has done. If that's true, you should thank Yoko. If you really think that, which that's not what happened, mm-hmm. but, if, but you should be psyched. Because he's gotten to expand his creativity into these amazing places that it would not have been possible if we had stayed in the Beatles. So, and that's a good point. I mean, the craziest thing about the Beatles is that, I mean, they were together for for years before, and you know, to put in those um, ten thousand hours of um, you hear about you know, oh, right. playing in clubs and the Cavern Club, and and then uh, in Hamburg, Germany, they played you know five shows a night for three years or whatever it was. Wow. Um, so they had already been working together, but they came to America in 64. Right. And by, they were broken up by 70. It was like the six years of the most crazy evolution. And of course, then they're, they're early and mid twenties at this point. They were all under 30, I think, when they, when they broke up. When they up. broke up? And so you think about that era of their life and, you know, and creatively and artistically, um, just the, the sheer volume that they put out in that time, of course they were going to, get to the point where their ideas and they're going to start butting heads. So I think Yoko is an easy scapegoat. Right. 
This is right? the, the podcast where Jamie comes out in defense of Yoko Ono. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to listen to Yoko Ono sing anything personally, just because it's not for me. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she's a, uh, it's amazing to those who enjoy her work, but, uh, but I'm not, it's not, uh, it it's not catchy. I can't sing along. It's hard for me. So, but but I do remember liking both John Lennon and Paul McCartney separately, and not having any idea what George or Ringo was doing. And I think my brother explained it to me that uh, they were living on residuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was it was royalties, and they were buying land. Who knows what they were doing? They were. I mean, they, George had a flourishing uh, career of his own. Put out tons of flowers. Albums. Oh, yeah. No. And I, I wanted him to have a flower shop for some reason. George, what is is Ringo still alive? Still alive. He put out you know a bunch of solo albums. Um, he's a drummer though, right? So he's a drummer. How do you how, how do you? I suppose Phil Collins isn't he a drummer? He is a drummer as well. He's a does he had some solo albums? Mm-hmm. You just hire people to play around you. I guess is that what you do? Yeah. All right. But Ringo sang songs. He, I mean, he usually had one. To two songs on the White Album, I think he had two or three songs um, that were his own. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, the the White Album, especially the, um, the Beatles at that point, were so in their own worlds. Like it really is, every song is so disparate, and it's you can tell like you know who wrote it and who's on oh, it. Oh wow! And that's part of the the magic too. Is um at that point you'd think that they were already going to be broken up, but it's what makes Abbey Road, which was the last album they recorded, um, all the more magical because it's like they it was. This, Let's give it one more shot, guys. Okay. And to me, that's, you know, arguably one of the best albums, especially the side two of Abbey Road. Okay. Where there's a medley and it's just like all the, these elements that. Where they were really working together mm-hmm. again. They were like, we're going to work together. We're going to do it like sort of their earlier stuff. Mm-hmm. And then did they, and, and the white album, did it feel like sort of like everybody was like, fine, we'll just break up the tracks, do whatever you want kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, you know, some tracks and every, every track, Every Beatles track has a story behind it. And, um, you know, some tracks were, uh, Oh, I suppose because people are obsessed with the Beatles. They're like, how did this one song happen? Yeah. If you go on Wikipedia now, like, yeah, every song has like some sort of crazy backstory. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, uh, I have, um, I have a double, uh, CD, the red cover. It's the number one. It's all their number one hits. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm trying to, I can't even think of, I mean, I know that I know the Beatles. I mean, there's not, there's, there's no way. Yeah. There's no, it'd be like not knowing, uh, something like me not knowing who the um, quarterback for the Packers is. I don't do know. You know. I do just through osmosis. Like I also, I have access to a lot of things Jesus said because of church. Sure, sure. Uh, but there, there's no way that I don't, I, let me be the first to compare the Beatles to Jesus. Oh, wait. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm here all week, You're you guys. So ah, that's funny. Anyway, but, uh, the, but yeah, I mean, I know that I know the songs, but is there, what's, what's a good story about one of those songs? A good story. I mean, or like a good song that, what's one of your favorite songs of theirs that has a good story attached to it? I can't even think of a song, which is ridiculous. It's a great question. It's a great question. This is what I do. I sit here. I think of questions. <laughs> That's what I like. But Abbey Road. So Abbey Road. What songs are on Abbey Road? Um, Sun King. Um, um, I want you. 
Um, oh, that you would, I mean, um, something, there's something in the way she moves. Oh, yeah. Um, Maxwell Silverhammer. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. What's the story of Maxwell Silverhammer? Are they no just stoned idea. out of their damn minds? I think that might be the story for a lot of them. Yeah. Why not? If, uh, if the pot was free, and it often is. Mm-hmm. I just talked to Doug Benson. Someone is constantly handing that guy a joint. And, um. You never give me your money? It's, um, what's that? Is that a song? It's a song. Oh, okay. Um, Oh, um, it's the most, you know, the song, Come Together. Okay. Come Together. Um, another song that people know that you, you know, Come Together. Yeah. Do you have a story about it? A story thing. Yeah. No, I don't have a story about Come Together. (laughs) (laughs) I have stories about me listening to them more so than I have about them. Let's hear that. I want to hear that then. What's your favorite, um, story of you listening to the Beatles? (laughs) It's a Saturday afternoon, 3 okay, o'clock. Okay, there we go. I'm tired. I'm beat. No energy. Then right. I throw on Helter Skelter, and all of a sudden, yep. this little 14-year-old wants to go Change murder the world. people a la meh. Oh, there you go. Because Helter Skelter was about murder? It was about uh, Charles Manson. Okay. Or b- b- based on the, the book about the Manson killers. Okay. So do you just get stoned and listen to a lot of Beatles? Is that what's happening? As a kid, no. I didn't okay. start smoking pot until after my obsession. Okay. But there's Beetle Fest. I can talk about Beetle Fest. Sure. Beetle Fest. I don't know if it still happens, but it was um, a, a Beetle Festival. Mm-hmm. It took place at the Weston Bonaventure Hotel, downtown LA. Okay. And I would go every year and, you know, you know, sea of booths of, you know, people selling merch. Yeah. I would get like, you know, hundreds of posters every year and, Selling Beatle dolls, old records, anything you can imagine. Yeah. They would have like special drop-in guests like now in the, this conference room, Alf Bicknell, who was their chauffeur from 62 to 65, sharing stories about okay. – and, um, and then they had the Battle of the Bands. Um, and in 1990, I believe, or 91, I got my buddies together and we submit our band and uh, we were – we got in. Oh, wow. And so the bands, they were all in like their twenties, thirties, all old people. Right. Or not old now, but. Right, right. But they were all established musicians. Yes. And they, and these were cover bands. Did yeah. You... And so for this, for, for Beatle Fest, Battle of the Bands, you go up and you do Beatles songs. Right. And so we rehearsed, got our songs down, and then we got up there. And just by nature of us not looking like everyone else. Yeah. They, you know, interested in the stage and these four 14 year old kids. Um, I had already had my growth spurt, so I was like, at one point in my life, I was actually the tallest. Fair enough. Um, but at the time, two of the guys in the band, Gabe and Mike, you know, were tiny. Okay. They looked like they were like nine years old. And Gabe, the singer and, yep. um, lead guitar player, um, he, uh, had a, this amazing voice. And so he, we do, um, Oh Darling, which mm-hmm. is also on Abbey Road. Okay. And it's, it's Paul singing and it's like, he belts it out. And so, and Gabe just, you know, his his little lungs just went out there and he he kicked ass and yeah. threw people through a loop. They were going crazy. Yeah, it might have been the best moment of my life. And did they? Did you guys win or did you come in did you and play, so, sir? There's probably 20 bands and um, then there was a a runoff between three of us. Mm-hmm. And we were one of the top three. Wow. And then it came down to two. We were top two, but then we oh wow, we ultimately lost to Glass Onion. Glass Onion was the name <laughs> of the cover band. That the song uh, from White Album. And does uh, does Gabe still sing? Gabe has has an amazing career. 
Yeah. As a musician. He's in a band called the Punch Brothers now. Oh, there you go. They're a bluegrass band. He was always a bluegrass, uh, he grew up in a bluegrass band with his family. Oh my God, that's hilarious. And Michael, who's a guitar player and one of my best friends, he yep. still plays also, in bands and. Okay. So those guys kept with the music mm-hmm. and kept doing it. Mm-hmm. And what about the other? Was there a fourth? There was a fourth. Who was the fourth? His name was Anthony. And he went on to become a banker or something I don't know. else. Well, his dad. Yeah. Um, his name, his dad is named Don Was. Okay. Don Was. From Was Not Was? Yes. Weird. <laughs> and why do I know that coming I don't out know. of, I don't, there's, you went. Do you know their big song? No. Walk no. The Dinosaur? Sure. I know the name <laughs> of that song. So you went and you were in junior high with Don Was's son. And then yeah. you were in a band with his son. His, well, he was Gabe's cousin, I believe. Okay. And so Don was at the time, I don't know if he still does, lived in this amazing house up in Coldwater Canyon. Okay. And so when we're forming the band, he's like, hey, we should get my cousin in it. And his dad's a famous producer and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So we'd go up into this kind of mansion-y place sure. up in Coldwater. That's and, where the uh, mansions are being kept in Los Angeles. Right? right? C- Crazyville. And so I'll never forget one of the rehearsals we went to, um, Don walked in. We had his little you know, studio area. Right. And he was like, sorry, it took so long. I was on the phone with Mick Jagger. Oh my God. And he had gold records everywhere. He like produced major albums. Okay. So he, he was in that band. Mm -hmm. The very famous band was not was, (laughs) but he was also a producer. Mm -hmm. Like I think he became more famous as a producer, didn't he? Oh, much more. Yeah. Was not was, was, was great. And everybody, it was, there was cult sort of following of it. Uh, some small success or bigger than. I would actually like to know where, what was the, what was was not was. It's a, I don't know. I, all I remember is, uh, I'm calling you from jail. And, uh, I think the only was not was song I ever knew, knew was from the movie Pump Up the Volume, mm. which is with Christian Slater, yeah. maybe. And, uh, it was my introduction to Leonard Cohen, mm. my introduction to was not was, and my introduction, uh, to, uh, guys jerking off and making that noise. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> a lot of things were learned. And then I bought the soundtrack to that album. I mean, that's, that's my, that's the way I buy music, by the way. Uh, I'll listen to, uh. That pen is gone. I dropped that pen. That'll happen. Ooh, extra pen coming. Yeah, I just, I buy soundtracks more than anything else. I'm like, oh, I wonder who those bands are. That's and a then great I, way to find music. Yeah, and then I, I might buy the album from one of the songs that's on, on that. And so, is there, so that's kind of fascinating that you got to meet that guy. Yeah, I, I forget about that. But, um, and he played bass too, so he would teach me some stuff. Oh, wow. And of course, you know, as soon as I got to 10th grade, I was done playing bass for a while, but. What brought you away from it? What lured you into the hand like a, like a baby bird being the, the saved? The need to be liked, the need to, for popularity, the yeah. need, um, to, to fit in stop, and meet girls and. And stop practicing the bass? I really gave up. I mean, I, I have no regrets. No regrets. You but can't regret. I really did, um, you know, move away from music and I was obsessed with musical theater and I would perform and all those things that I, at that point, decided were dorky or. Oh, right. You, oh, you rejected them as kind of dorky. Yeah. And I, I became obsessed with hip hop, which okay. was a genuine obsession, but it was also me trying at that point in my life too. I think that that leads us to something. You're just like, you're like, well, cool people I know like that. So I'm going to look into it. And then there's a reason they like it mm-hmm. because it's kind of cool. You know, I mean, a friend of mine in, in 1989 loved, 
uh, Boogie Down Productions. And so that's how I got into hip hop. And, but she also liked XTC, mm-hmm. um, which I, I've only recently realized stands for ecstasy. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, I may not do a lot of drugs. Anyway, and never have. Uh, luckily never got into drugs, but the, the, I think I never cared for XTC. They were not for me, but I liked Black Flag. Mm-hmm. I liked some of the punk stuff, which by the way, my punk knowledge comes entirely from the movie Repo Man, uh, with, Emilio Estevez. Yes. There you go. All the hits are coming out today. All the hits. Everything I'm, we, well, the thing is, is every time there's an episode about music, mm-hmm. it is a spiral of me just grasping at straws of what I might know you, about music. Someone that doesn't know music doesn't just drop boogie down productions. Well, as, as I think it's been established previously on the Dork Forest, I own one album of everything. So, and then I don't know anything else about, That's you know. more than most? Some, I well, say. I think though, there is a young man, uh, one of these young, one of these young Turks at comedy. He wants to come on and talk about music. And, uh, I am, of course, terrified at just the idea of it because I don't know what it's, it's hard to, it's hard to lead. What other, so what happened with the Beatles? Any other good Beatles stuff you want to t- tell? Sure. Or do you want to move on to other things? No, I mean, I think I have a couple other stories I've definitely told on Longshot, but, um, I mean, one of the, the most classic stories of my life was, um, when I was, I think, 14, so right around this time, yeah, I get home after school one day, and the phone rings, and I pick it up, and on the other end of the line is um, a fella claiming that they're Ringo Starr. What? And it's like, hello, is it Jamie? I'm actually, I'm not going to even try to do the accent. <laughs> right, right. Probably hello, for <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, it's Jamie. Wow, that's nothing. I had to, There's I had, a reason I don't get work. I do have all my albums. <laughs> that's, that's the best I can do. Okay. But, um, and of course, I'm like, ah, who is this? Yeah. And, you know, start listing through my friends. Is this Mike? Mike, come on. No, this is Ringo Starr. Uh-huh. And, you know, why would he be calling me? And then finally, after a minute of this, of him just being like, thank you for listening to all my albums. And again, um, I hear my dad pick up another phone. It's like, right. It's like, James, this is Ringo. Don't fuck this up. Right. In my memory, he said, don't fuck this up. I don't think it would actually said that. Right. But, um, the, and the story was Ringo was shooting a movie mm-hmm. um, in the valley somewhere. Sure. And him and a producer, they were doing a scene where someone had to, I think, break into a safe. Oh, That's so there were key needs. They went to get some consulting on how to shoot the scene to make it look like they're breaking in the safe or whatever. Yeah. And God bless my dad. It's I, one of the coolest things ever is that he had the the, the balls. <laughs> right. And the like in the moment kind of thought, you know who loves the Beatles? My son, <laughs> Ringo Starr. I will help you. And yet you must call my son and talk to him. Yeah. So you got to talk to him for a couple of minutes or a minute or. Well, as soon as my dad got off and it was like, this is Ringo. I started screaming like I was at the Ed Sullivan <laughs> show in 1964. Right. I was like screaming like a, like a, a 16 year old girl watching the Beatles. Right. And just running around the house. And I don't, I think everything else after that, I forgot. Right. But that's, that's, that is amazing. I mean, it's one of those things where you definitely. There's no, have you met any other Beatles? And well, yeah, that's in the last year. Um, Paul McCartney came to the improv three times. What? How could we, you know who was there the night I was there? Who? Um, Alex Trebek. I anyway, remember that. So you got a picture with him. Today. I did get a picture yeah. with him. I thought, I don't usually ask for pictures with people, but when's the next time I'm going to get to meet? I mean, Alex Trebek is 107 years old. Let's, Trebek to me is like, it's, he's up there as far as. 
He's a cool dude. I mean, and the fact that he came was very, yeah. and he was, he was very sweet. It was sort of, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Um, Penny Marshall's brother, Gary. That's mm-hmm. what I like to think of him as. I like to think of him as Penny Marshall's mm-hmm. brother. Gary Marshall <laughs> once said to me, he said, you're very talented. And, uh, I wish I had that on tape, uh, a pillow. And I wish, uh, he was standing next to me and had a photograph with me. So when I met Alex Trebek, I thought, they said, you don't get to meet these guys that often, so get a picture. Did you get a picture with Paul McCartney? I did. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, well, so he came in. The first time he came in, I was out of the town. I was up in Big Bear for a week. And did you cry? And I never go out of town. Mm-hmm. I you mean, never I'm, are not working. I'm always there. Right. And it was just this random night. And I remember I got on Instagram. I'm scrolling through and then see this picture of Paul at the improv. I'm like, oh my God, not tonight, not tonight, tonight. And, and then, it was tonight. <laughs> so I missed him the first time. Yeah. About two weeks later, it was another night. Um, and I didn't hear about it till the next day. It you was, missed him again? I went home early and I lived three blocks from the improv. Right. And so I, that, that next day I went, everyone on the staff, I was like, if fucking Paul McCartney ever <laughs> comes back. And I, I'm not one to raise my voice. Right. But, um, I was like, if, so please. Text me, yes. call me, send him a flare for the love of the baby Jesus. Please. Get Jamie Flynn back to the improv to see in person right. Paul McCartney. And so third time's a charm. Yeah. Came to pass. I went home early this night and then of course my um, <laughs> uh, phone started blowing up. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. like, come on back. He's here. And so I raced back. Sure enough, he was there and uh, had a moment, you know, I snuck into a picture with him and yeah. But, um, had a moment where, um, I, I went up to him. He was sitting in the back. And so he was on, on tour this last year and he was, I think, rehearsing for the tour somewhere over here in the valley. Okay. And just liked the improv, felt safe there and thought um, he'd go see some comedy. Yeah. And he would, we'd just get this phone call. I, I guess each time he would call up and say, Hey, this is Paul McCartney or maybe it was one of his handlers. I, hopefully, hopefully he has someone to make that call yeah. for him. He doesn't have to. You like the president calling and ordering flowers and the American yeah. president. Anyway, so. So he just rolled up and it was just him and one other guy. But I went up to him in the back and just introduced myself and, you know, told him I'm the booker and just, it's a pleasure and an honor to have him here. Right. Cause it's always so embarrassing to try to in, in, introduce yourself to someone famous. You kind of want to justify why you think it's okay that you're like, well, this is my place of work. This is what I do. Yeah. So I, I'm not just some dude coming up to you and interrupting. You Though, that, yeah. Yeah. And it's a weird, it's a weird thing, but I, I love that, that you feel that. that I you, wasn't going to. And then one of our, our sound guy that night was just like, Jamie, this is your only chance. This is your only chance. You really, I mean, that's why I thought, and Alex Trebek is no Paul McCartney. I mean, he's no John Kennedy, but it was. But Alex Trebek is arguably the Beatle of television game uh, shows. Game shows. Sure. I mean, if I could have met Richard Dawson, it would have been very exciting. I think Tim Dawson and uh, Tr- uh, Pat but Sajak. The Richard Dawson always felt like he was the kind of like an elbow squeezery kind of guy, where he would have been a little, a little petty. Oh, he's very and, petty. Yeah, I was like, ugh, I don't know that I'm I would drunk. have wanted to meet Richard Dawson quite so much. <laughs> he's like the Pete Best of the. <laughs> <laughs> Is Pete Best the the non Beetle, the he's extra Beetle? Well, there's two. There's Pete Best and Stu Sutcliffe. Okay. Pete Best, I think, was actually fired. Okay. He was the drummer and that they felt just wasn't a fit. And right. And their manager was like, we need to go in a different direction. Right. I, don't quote me on that story. I, I've proven that I know Pat, a lot about the Beatles, but not 
story. <laughs> right, not enough stories. And I just remembered who I had on who talked about the Beatles one time, and I think it was Pat Francis, mm. who is Jimmy uh, Pardo's, a really good friend of Jimmy Pardo's comic, and mm-hmm. a very funny guy. But uh, he collects autographs, and he had some sort of crazy Pete Best story that I didn't know enough about uh, to really... You guys, there's other... What I'm saying is that if you want more, <laughs> go to your local library or Google the words The Dork Forest and The Beatles mm-hmm. and you'll get many different tales of what can happen. I'm I'm with... Uh, at Jamie Flan, by the way, it's J-A-M-I-E mm-hmm. F-L-A-N M. M like man? I was going to com- tell you earlier. That is weird that I went with an N like Nancy. It's uh, M like man or You're not monster. the first... Eddie Pepitone, who I did podcasts for four years. Right, years in a row. And always thought it was flan. Yeah. I always thought it was flan. I like, and then I thought, is it pronounced flan? But it isn't, because it's flam. It's flam. With with an M. With an M. (laughs) So, uh, it's at Jamie Flam. And Gatekeeper is, uh, the cool new pod that people keep telling me is cool and new. Oh, cool. And, uh, Longshot Pod is old, old, old. You guys have been doing that forever. But it is super fun because it's with. Yeah, you have to come back. Amber Tozer and, uh. Amber Kenny. Kenny. What? Yeah, different Amber. Son of a damn. Your Amber's mixed up. You know that I had a lunch yesterday with Amber Tozer and I called her, um, Amber Preston. There's another so, great Amber. Um, there's some Ambers out there, you mm-hmm. guys. People have been named after the beautiful uh, jewelry uh, that uh, is... Amber is a... Um, it's a rock. resin. I thought it was... Um, is it wood resin? Don't quote me. <laughs> Nothing I've said is we true. We have weeded... It's just... This is a pack of lies. This dark forest is sponsored by the devil. We don't, yeah, we don't have all the information, you guys. Feel free to Google everything. And then, uh, so, someone will email me and tell okay. me what amber is offhand. All I know is that my grandmother, Armenian, old Armenian ladies have a lot of amber jewelry mm-hmm. that they pass on to their kids and it's always too big to wear. Uh, so I have a lot of large amber pieces that I don't, I've tried to do various things with. All I've done is ended up destroying the necklace my grandmother mm-hmm. gave me. So. Well, if, worst case scenario, you have something to pawn should things. Right. Uh, there does Those seem out. to be a lot of amber in pawn shops. Have you noticed that? Apparently. It I, seemed I don't like know the, if you spent a lot of time in pawn I shops. Don't. As a, I just pictured a lot of amber in there. <laughs> it's a, You know, I'm doing a new podcast with Lori Kilmartin. I am. And nobody has more uh, m- more snark to say about the Armenian people, my people, uh, than Lori Kilmartin. And it is a, a joy to behold. Though she, The other night she made some crack about how um, she... She likes Armenians sometimes, but she just doesn't like chandeliers. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to hang out with them. And, uh. Always toting around in a chandelier. Always toting around along. And so I think I should re- reference, uh, more amber. Maybe she could make a loose amber reference because mm-hmm. there are a lot, there is a lot of amber in the Armenian community. So. You have to build up those stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can create them. Out of nothing, mm-hmm. out of whole cloth. You're like, you know, the, I don't know if you remember a, an old Dana Gould joke about the Belgians. Mm. Anyway, it's his dad hated people, but he, he, it was always somebody weird that nobody hated. Mm. And so he would always make some crack about the Belgians. Anyway, other Dana Gould jokes that I, uh, also enjoy a great deal. You're, you're reading from your, your Gould notebook. My Gould notebook. I got a, a notebook about the great jokes of Dana Gould. What, what else? You got another, uh, Beatles? Yeah. You got anything? Beatles. I sold the Ringo Starr story. We got the Paul McCartney right. dropping in um, to the club. And uh, don't have a good George story. Um, Who's left? John. John died. Where were you when John died? 
Were was, you born? I was four years old. You were four years old. Mm-hmm. You were a baby. You were a child. Was, so you didn't do it. I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Or if I did, I was... You were precocious as all hell, man. <laughs> what were you doing in New York? I don't know. Just wandering around. I think it was the Lower West Side, wasn't it? I forget where he lived. It was one of the West Sides. Lower was, or Upper. It was might have been Upper. The Dakotas. Oh. That's called. Yeah. Yeah, that's Just right. Dropping knowledge. That's you, you you got some info. It's uh I like I don't know, I, I also have a, a double L the double C D set of the best of wings. Mm-hmm. History and hits is what it's called. One CD is the hits, and that's mm-hmm. all I think the number one songs that Wings did. And there's like 30 of them. There's so many. Nobody's more prolific, I don't think, than Paul McCartney. And then the history ones are sort of these B-sides mm-hmm. that I've also heard many of them. I mean, it's weird how many, just how many songs he's written. All of them. I mean, it really is insane how much they put out and how um, important they are. I, there's, it's weird now. I think it's, it's a kind of a cool thing for people to say that they're, they're a Beatle hater or oh. that you're, just, you know, it's always the Beatles versus the Rolling Stones. And I've, I've never understood that argument. Yeah. I think cause they were both 25 mm-hmm. and uh, everybody wanted to sleep with all of them. And they're like, mm, I like a guy with longer hair. Mm, oh no, they have long hair. They just want to get laid. So I don't, I don't understand either. I mean, though the Rolling Stone, it was more, it was their, their music was harder rock, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, it was just more, I mean, it was harder rock, but they're, just, they're, they're both very different. But I mean, they're still experimental. They're still, you know, at the same time, you're, and that's what's so cool about the Beatles and, and the Stones. And I think a lot of music that generation is really just reflecting because it was so much happening in the world at that point and the U.S., you know, that shift with the, yeah. the, the war happening and, just the psychedelic and the love movement and right. All the new drugs. And Mm -hmm. then there was a bunch of, and there was a new war and there was, there was a new protest thing. And a lot of very well to do, um, people uh, raising children who didn't, who had a lot of free time. Mm -hmm. It's my father always said about uh, wealthy, um, (laughs) wealthy nations. That's why there's revolution. That's Mm -hmm. why in uh, revolution, by the way, the name of my Beatles cover band. Oh, is that the name of your Beatles cover band Mm -hmm. when you were 14? Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's and how did you dress for this event? Do you guys wear like hippie clothes or it was? Did you try to go late Beatles or early Beatles? We went early Beatles. Oh, like, so white like shirts and, yeah. and the and the and the skinny tie. We didn't do the tie for some reason. Right. Well, you got to find ties, yeah. and when you're 14 and you're just putting together essentially what are costumes, mm-hmm. you you do what you can. It was more of a mop toppy. This I is, actually, it's funny. I found. The submission that I um, sent in to Beetlefest for our band, mm-hmm. and then on the back, and I was very brash. I should have brought that with me. I yeah, read it on the air, but um, it was like, "My name is Jamie Flam. I'm a male." And it's funny, all the letters I wrote back then always, and I would write letters. And it's funny, I actually have drafts of letters I wrote, I wrote to the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers fan club. Okay, to I would write to KLSX. So I talked about right every year. Um, on New Year's, they would put like play the top 500 classic rock songs of all time, and I don't know that I why I even had the wherewithal to do this, but I would call the station and ask them to mail me that the list. And so every year they would send they would mail me this you know packet of like you know 25 pages just listening listing the five, top 500 songs they played. Yeah. Then I would break out highlighters. Mm-hmm. This is really weird. And just no, this is ex- this is minute 50. This is when people. This is when the dorkdom actually happens. Right. Go. 
I would highlight, so the Beatles would be the pink highlighter and the Rolling Stones would be the yellow. Led Zeppelin would be green. Um, and start going down and then tallying like, all right, the Beatles had, you know, 45 songs in the top 500 and the Rolling Stones. And then, yeah, just seeing like who had the most songs, who had the most songs in the top 100. It was pretty weird. Right, right. It was, it was, you cared. You mm-hmm. wanted, you wanted the Beatles to win. Mm-hmm. Sure, why not? And then did you take that list and, and listen to any other new music because of totally. it? Or no? Yeah. What, some, like, um, you know, it opened me up to, you know, pop stuff and like sticks and like the Emerson Lake and Palmers and, um, and yes. And which are all 10 years before you were, you know, mm-hmm. at, at any interest in listening to anything. That's interesting. Yeah, so good. I mean, in like Yardbirds and, um, obviously Pink Floyd was always, Right. Well, Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin. I did a Pink Floyd episode recently and, uh, it was interesting. I don't know. I don't know anything about the Pink Floyd. I listened to a little bit afterwards and, uh, it was, it was, I've now listened to some ska. I've listened to some Pink Floyd and I have listened, um, and I've. It's a pretty wide spectrum. Sure. I'll, it turns out I'll listen to anything. It'll be fine. Pink Floyd, great. Yeah. They're really good. Sure. You're here first, folks. You heard it here, yeah. Take a stand. Take a stand that Pink Floyd was pretty good. I think somebody wanted me to listen to a lot of Led Zeppelin at some point. They're great. And, uh, I, yeah, yeah, they're all right. I mean, I never, I don't think I was ever high enough to really get into that sort of acid prog rock kind of stuff where it was all loosey goosey. And I'm like, cause I like a story. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, but, uh, <laughs> It was Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, okay. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot wrote one song, and uh, it was best um, summed up with The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, which is a story uh, about a boat that sinks in uh, either Lake Michigan or Lake Superior. I can't remember. It was probably Michigan. That's where I grew up, right right against Lake Michigan. Nice. And uh, But it had a nice story. And I like, I do, that's one of the reasons I liked hip-hop, because I liked country music, because mm-hmm. it had a nice story. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the Beatles would lose me when it got all... Uh, existential or, or just trippy, you know? I was like, oh, I see what you're, I don't see what you're doing, but I mm-hmm. see what you're doing. I, I don't think, I wanted there to be an arc. I wanted mm-hmm. there to be a tale. What so. about A Day in the Life? That what might is, be the best Beatles song, by the way. Oh yeah? You know, it's a, no, no, I'll, I'll look that one up. I had the knees today, oh boy. Oh, it's one of their best ones. You I do know, know that song. You definitely know that one. Yeah, yeah, I know that song, A Day in the Life. Yeah, I, um, I'm trying to think of other good stories. I mean, Rocky Raccoon on the right. album. I used to love, I used to love Rocky Raccoon. That's just straight up. That's here's straight up. Story. Here's a story about a family. Of uh, there's another song on the album called, um, Bungalow Bill. Yeah. I like, oh, I like that's that song too. Fun little story. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And that's, and that is the other thing too, is I do, I do get sucked into sort of a, I like a poppy beat, mm-hmm. which is why I, I guess I always tended to lean more toward, Paul McCartney. Emotionally, Lennon was more interesting just because he was broodier. Mm-hmm. You know, he was more brooding and, and less, he was more interesting seeming than Paul McCartney. But remember Pipes of Peace? I'm, I do. Yeah. I mean, that's like a, a deep cut. That is Pipes of Peace. I only remember it because um, early years of MTV in my college uh, co-op, I lived in a, a co-op that had, we had MTV. And I remember I would, I would just stop everything when that, when was that? Was that? A, I don't was, remember that being like. It popular. was a music video. It was an amazing. It was a pretty good hit, and then it was also a music video. And the music video was set during World War One. Oh, I do know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you've seen it where the 
Germans and the English uh, exchange letters on that Christmas night. And then a uh, little fun history fact is they made that illegal in the army afterwards. They were mm. like, mm, even though it's a ceasefire, please do not uh, humanize your enemies because you're going to have to kill them tomorrow. So That's funny. Yeah. I, that album, I had that album and I'll listen to it a lot, but there's a song that he does with Michael Jackson. Ebony uh, and Ivory? No, he, it's called The Man. Oh. I mean, he, the famous song is... um. Ebony Ivory is with Stevie Wonder. Oh, that's right. Um, and oh, then, and all I remember is the drama that they, it wasn't recorded in the same country. They recorded it in different oh, uh, studios. And I think Stevie Wonder, was it Stevie Wonder? Right. Stevie Wonder was in, um, like the Bahamas or something and, uh, the Caribbean somewhere on vacation. And then he went into the studio and recorded his part and Paul McCartney. It was Paul McCartney, uh, recorded it in London. And there was some sort of drama about how that's not going to heal racism if they can't even be in the same room together. And you're like, well, well I don't think it was because they didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, it was completely absurd. Anyway, uh, but you were going to. Well, the other song was Say, Say, Say. Okay. That was like a big Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney. But there's a song called The Man. And I'm pretty sure it's about Jesus. Okay. Um, it's not about the man? You know how the man's keeping the man you down? Who plays the game of life so well. Ooh, there's such a man. Oh my God, I don't know that song. I don't That's think a- anyone does. I think it's, and it's so catchy. Yeah. But I think it was maybe just a little too religious. I mean, I don't say Jesus and maybe it's not. Okay. But I'm just assuming it is, but. Um, Cause it's certainly not talking about, uh, I don't know, um, some sort of financial, like the man, man. It isn't the white oh, no, man. No, no, no. Okay. I think they're talking about a magical man. Okay. Oh, a magical man. He plays the and lady that of is life Jesus. so well. I think yeah. we know that that is Jesus. He is very magical. But I will look up uh, the man, yeah, Paul McCartney. Listen to it. I think you're going to like it. Okay. Very catchy. Neat. Um, yeah. And then Beatles. I mean, another cool thing, and part of the, the thrill of becoming a Beatles fan was, you know, I got that 62 to 66 album, and you start to get into them, and like, oh, these are really poppy and fun. And then when I got the 67 to 70, you see this dramatic change. And you start to hear about like the stories. And I think that's why anyone gets in anything, especially musicians and obviously Elvis Presley. And it's the, the crazy story behind the story of everything. And, um, but finding out about the Paula's dead thing. Oh, right. Do you know about that? It was a rumor that Paul McCartney died. Yes. And so as soon as you hear that, you start going, digging through the albums and looking for the clues. And back then, now it's on, on YouTube. If you look it up, I forgot. It's like a famous, I think, uh, radio host did an episode of a show probably in the eighties um, called Paul is dead and, you know, produced like this hour long is Paul dead um, through the next hour. We'll be looking through things to see if he actually died. And they tell the whole story and it's insane how up, obviously he didn't die. <laughs> right. He, I, he was not, he was not dead, but all the crazy stories and clues. Who and thought he was dead? This rumor got out that he died in a car crash in the sixties. Right before um, Sergeant Pepper came out. Okay. And so starting with Sergeant Pepper, and I think the rumor came out in like by 68 or 69 because people started looking back. And obviously when you're looking for clues for something, you're going to make a clue out of everything. Okay. And But there's all these amazing little things on the albums and in the songs and in the lyrics and where – I mean Sergeant that Pepper – That said that he might have been replaced by a clone or something if, or – Apparently according to the lore, the guy had won a Paul McCartney's sing-along contest and they went missing – Ah. And they put him in and then lovely Rita's about the woman that picked him up and they died in the car together and. Wow. That's some serious fan fiction. 
about Paul McCartney not dying. But there are those, there's a few of them, like there's the, like I told you when you play um, Revolution Number no. 9 backwards. It yeah. It really sounds like he's um, saying, turn me on, Deadman. Turn me on, Deadman. Okay. And then it's called the Sergeant Pepper Inner Groove. So there's like this little inner, I guess the inner groove is like the small, the part in the middle of the record that they just had this weird five second yeah. thing with a bunch of people saying something. You don't know what it is. Right. Um, but if you do listen, you hear these little things that could be clues and they deny it. But, sure. But how that was so exciting. And when you're 14 and you're listening to this and breaking out the records and having your friends come over and listen to it the first time. And sure. Like, and you're blowing people's minds, yeah, man. man. That's awesome. That's fun. That is fun. Uh, Jamie Flam, it has been an hour. Has it been? Yeah. You were worried. I was worried. Was this a failure? It's a, it was a failure. It's never a failure. It's never a failure. It's always the dork forest. So it's a different tree of the dork forest. And there's always a different angle of what we were going to talk about. So we meandered around the Beatles. I don't know anything about the Beatles. I know a little bit about them. I, you know more. I, the only thing I'm in my head about is that you asked me for a story behind a song. Yep. I don't think I delivered no, no, you did not. But here's the thing. <laughs> Who cares? Wikipedia, you guys. Rangers, you know the rules. Take care of each other out there. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we. You. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?